0: Brothers and sisters all over the world, we, we thank you for joining us today. And as always, a uh, very warm welcome to you, Baruch, all the way in Israel. How are you?
1: Shalom, Christian. Thank God. Everything's going very, very well. Wonderful. Great to hear. Great to hear. Um,
0: we're going to get uh, fairly quickly into today's theme and discussion, which is, uh, I think, a very timely one. Uh, as usual, thank you to everyone that's been uh, posting comments and subscribing and liking these videos. Uh, especially to the spanish-speaking viewing audience you know we're very blessed and humbled by their response but uh, as always please remember to hit this like button uh, and share this video it certainly will help the ministry Um, just before we commence baruch from a personal point of view i'd like to uh, make a comment about one comment that uh, a lady uh posted in one of our recent videos which um was quite an interesting one she made the comment there about that i was personally pushing my political agenda uh, on these videos and that I was having some sort of influence on you, Baruch. So uh, I normally don't respond to any of these things, but I thought it was important to clarify this from my perspective that I'm certainly not pushing any political agenda. Uh, What I do actually do is any government or government leader that opposes the word of God, I will make mention of that, Uh, whether they're Liberals, Democrats, um, Republican from the Labor Party, Whoever it is, if they are specifically and openly opposing God's word, uh, whether it be by um, supporting abortion, homosexual marriages, euthanasia, whatever the case is, I will certainly not be silent. And, um, and, and I'm the, certainly probably the last person to
1: have any sort of influence over you, Baruch. What are your comments? Well, I, I appreciate the stances <laughs> that you take. I'm in agreement with that. I think one of the things that uh, has been a real asset for these videos is that we, we see very closely eye to eye on these issues. And I think the reason for that is that you don't have a personal agenda. I don't have a personal agenda. We have a kingdom agenda. The basis for that agenda is scripture, what the word of God says. So that's going to produce unity between fellow believers. And I hope that's what, what people are seeing, that there should be a, a commonality among believers. Now, at times we may disagree with, with this aspect or something. We're growing together. We're learning, all of us. And we're having our ideas shaped through the spirit of God, through through study, through the influence of one another. That's good. The scripture speaks about ironing, sharpening iron. Mm-hmm. iron. But the, the message is we're seeking truth. We don't claim to have all truth. We know the Holy Spirit leads us in all truth, but we're pursuing what we believe is God's agenda.
0: Amen. Thank you. So moving on very importantly to today's theme, which is it's time for battle. Do not be silent. Um, We're not sensationalizing this, by the way. It's, It's just purely looking what scripture tells us and what the Lord is expecting from us, especially in these days. So Please remember, I don't write the mail, I just deliver it. So, um, and it doesn't really matter also what Baruch and I personally think it's what the word of God tells us. So with everything we see around us, it is uh, our responsibility to engage and not to be ashamed of the gospel of Yeshua. So Baruch, if you're ready, let's begin. Okay, so the first scripture we'd like to look at and then we can put some actual context behind this, is in the book of Jude. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who were called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly For the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Baruch, over to you for your comments on this uh, powerful scripture. Well, I like the fact that you emphasize
1: to contend earnestly, sincerely. And it just reminds us that we are in a battle. We cannot ignore that. We cannot deny that. We need to see that there is an enemy. He has servants. There is a demonic aspect, a supernatural aspect, and we need to be aware of that so we can indeed contend. And I think today there's a hesitancy among many people not to want to, to speak out, not to want to do exactly what we're commanded to do, to to battle for the faith. And, and the reason for that is a misunderstanding. It says earlier, love be multiplied to you. Uh, I got an email, uh, well, maybe a week or two ago about hate. You know, the person says, God is love. God never hates. Well, the problem is when we look at the scripture, God says that he hates Esau, this man who was evil, perverse. And we see that, that God, because he is love, that love demands that he hates those things that are contrary to his will. And as we recipients of the Holy Spirit We need to have that same love that will manifest at time with hate for sin, hate for unrighteousness, hate for evil. And therefore, we, as it says here, must stand against it, not to be silent, not to be passive, but to step out and speak truth and contend. That's our call for every believer.
0: Amen. And it's interesting you mentioned that, Baruch, because uh, I've actually noticed some believers as well, they try and add like an 11th commandment that thou shall be always nice. Um, you know, they don't focus on the other 10 commandments. So, it, and by the way, anyone is writing to say, well, the 10 commandments don't apply anymore. <coughs> well, that is incorrect. The 10 commandments are definitely applicable to us today. And it's important to look at those. I mean, when a believer is speaking up passionately against abortion, which is murder, they will judge. Some people judge and say, like you said, Baruch, but God is love. Of course, we know he's love. But these are the same people that are more offended that we're sometimes less kind on people that are committing abortion than the slaughtering of innocent babies. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, what are your comments on that, Baruch?
1: Well, we we hear all the time people say that that verse from from Matthew chapter seven, do not judge. Hmm. But there's a big difference, in my opinion, in what we're trying to do, which is not to judge. And that that concept of judge has condemnation. It has to do with a punishment. We're not wanting to punish. We're not condemning people. That's not our role. But just like in in many uh, uh, countries. There's a, a trial and there's a group of, of jury, jury people, and they evaluate the facts and make a verdict. And so what I think we're more doing than judging, we're not judging, we're not sentencing people, we're not making any type of, of punishment. We're evaluating facts and saying this is contrary to what the scripture says. And we're warning people in in, in sharing these videos that there's certain individuals that many people embrace and think are are men of God, women of God, but they're very dangerous. And when you evaluate what they're teaching, we find that it's in conflict with the word of God, and that needs to be pointed out in love, in kindness, but nevertheless, it needs to be pointed out sternly. And it's not an act of, of, of hate, rather, it's an act of reproving. And the scripture says to do this, Several different places throughout the Bible, obviously also in the New Testament.
0: Amen. Now, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, Baruch, but contend earnestly that that word contend in the Greek. I've heard that that's also can be interpreted as wrestling, like a hand-to-hand combat. Is that correct?
1: Um, I believe so. I don't know specifically that verse what the the word is, but uh, many times we see in in Hebrew they have the word ma'vak which is a, a contention, or it comes from the word for a struggle or a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And we see that same aspect applied to, to Yaakov Jacob when he was wrestling the angel. And what was he wanting to do? He didn't wasn't passive, but he was wrestling because he was seeking blessing. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be an influence for truth so that people can walk in faith and they can be a recipient of God's blessing or an instrument of God's blessing. That's what interests us is is helping people find the place, the location, which is the will of God, where they can be blessed by God or be an instrument of blessing someone else rather than being against what the word of God commands, what the word of God instructs, what the word of God desires for, for his people.
0: Amen. You and I have also touched on this previously, Baruch, but during this whole, uh, whether it be pandemic and government uh, mandates and so forth, uh, the majority, not all, but the majority of the church around the world has been fairly silent. Uh, That's probably why we've got the theme today about it is time for battle, even though some Christians will say we should never be engaging or mentioning battles, but we're going to look closely at what the Bible says. But in your view, has a great part of the body of Christ being very silent and passive through this whole process.
1: Yes. I think that instead of faith being the foundation of the church today, it's, it's become more fear and we're not called to walk in fear. We're called to walk in faith. And I don't see much of that today. I see a total uh, uh, submissiveness to the world's agenda Rather than strengthening one another, meeting, praying for, laying hands on, anointing, doing these things that God has commanded us to do to, to minister to one another, to grow in the faith, to share our faith. It's like, in my opinion, and there's certainly exceptions to this, but the, the church has retreated back and, and ha- has taken its leadership from governmental mandates rather than from what Scripture mandates us to do. And we don't want to misunderstand what the Scripture says. It says certainly we're supposed to be good citizens, we're supposed to be obedient, but that's only to the extent when we look at Romans 13 that the government is an instrument of righteousness punishing evil. I think that in many places in the world, in fact, the vast, vast majority, the government is not an instrument of righteousness. It's not punishing wrongdoers, but it's rewarding wrongdoers. It's an instrument of that which is contrary to God's standards of righteousness. And again, we're supposed to stand up, speak out, take action, do things to oppose this. And and we don't see much of that today, unfortunately.
0: Correct, correct. And just before I move on to the next scripture, just uh, I want your thoughts, Baruch, because here in Australia, just in the last couple of days, it was announced that uh, they're planning to reopen some of the states here in mid-October uh, with conditions, of course. And uh, the one I'm really interested in, in, your opinion, Baruch, is that they're saying that um, churches will be open, but only to double vaccinated people.
1: What's your view on that, Baruch? Um, I think the the whole vaccination issue to uh, very, very serious one. Um, I don't believe that anyone should, should, who's a leader of a congregation, should hinder people from coming in, whether they're vaccinated or not. I don't believe it's the the role of a a congregational leader, a, a pastor, to to ask people, are you vaccinated or not? If they're there to worship God sincerely, they're come to to encounter God worship him, learn from him, then they should be welcome and supported, not uh, uh, called to, to step out because they're not vaccinated. I think the vaccination and what the government's doing with it is very dangerous. It's laying the foundation for the, the enemy, in my opinion. We should be very, very concerned about this.
0: Amen. Thank you. And I totally agree with you there. We'll be looking at the next scripture now. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. There's a lot of um, words there that, He's basically talking about battle and uh, engaging in battle. But over to you, Baruch.
1: Well, the last part of the verse is where I'd like to begin, where it says to bring every thought captive to the obedience of of Christ. There's the foundation. We want to be obedient to him. And that means what we see here in the language, as you pointed out, is a very warlike vocabulary here Mm. and that we're supposed to walk mightily in God, using the the spiritual uh, vessels that God gives to us, the blessings, the provision that he gives to us for doing just that, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. And I think that there's a lot of propaganda, a lot of arguments that are, are being mouthed through governments today, and these things are against the knowledge of God. And I think this really lays the the, the foundation for The problem today with the weakness of the church, we're not living in the knowledge of God. There's a hesitancy. People are focusing upon other things rather than what the scripture says about God's nature, his attributes, his purposes, his character. And because of that, we are being moved away from the call that has been placed upon the body of believers. Amen. Thank you.
0: The next scripture we're going to look at will... We'll actually be spending uh, quite a bit of time on this scripture. I'll read this carefully, but then I'll hand over to you, Baruch, because it's such an important scripture for what we need today as believers about the full armor of God. Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. taking the shield of faith in which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Before I hand over to you Baruch, uh, because I'd really like you to spend a bit of time on this because it's so important. You and I were just having a brief conversation before starting recording, and there's a question that people are asking, which I believe is a very good question as well. The full armor of God, some people say that should only be applied once, but I think you and I both agree that it should be an ongoing, regular, daily thing. Over to you, bro.
1: Yes. Um, for example, a, a pilot, before they take off, they go through a checklist. And I look at this and I see this as a spiritual checklist That every day when we we get up, and maybe several times throughout the day, that we need to go over that and realize that we are in a spiritual battle. There is spiritual warfare. The language is is very clear here concerning this this battle that we're in. And I think it's good to take this maybe, like you said, uh, slowly. But one of the things that stands out to me is where it says the whole armor of God. Yes. When we're not taking the whole armor of God, only portions of it, it makes ourselves very vulnerable. And I think this is the problem. As we go through some of these things, we'll see that a lacking of this or that exposes a weakness. It gives the enemy a stronghold over our life, in our life, to, to work against us. And I think this is very common today. Because people are not walking with a great commitment to scripture. And, and let me give you an example. So many times I get emails from people saying, what do you think of this book? This is what we're studying in our, our, our Sunday school class or our week uh, midweek service. We're going through this book and such. And I've seen that some of the people who are, are fellow on, on television programs as well, they're, they're dealing with... Uh, uh, material that is kind of a, what we call in Hebrew, aguda, a a legendary material, myths, prophecies that individuals give rather than dealing with the word of God. So whenever we do that, it weakens us. And I think the key thought here is it makes us very vulnerable to the enemy's attacks.
0: And also, uh, I think we've also touched on this previously, but when I read Ephesians 6, I don't think God has an intention for us to retreat because there's nothing there that defends our back. So I think that his view is that we should, you know, move forward. Um, In saying that, Baruch, what for believers, we said that this is a regular thing, like a checklist. But I think it's important to point out that we are not promoting any violence in the natural realm. This is purely... Um, because human nature is tempted to fight in the flesh, but it's a spiritual warfare and we need to engage it in in a different realm. Is that correct, Brooke?
1: Very correct. Yes, we're not advocating any type of physical violence. Uh, these things, when you look at our our equipment, our weapons, we find that they are not. He uses some military terms, but then he says, for us, it's not those literal things, but as we're going to go through in a moment, we're going to see that there's other things that he wants us to use because the battle is, first and foremost, a spiritual battle. Now, there's physical aspects. We see things with our eyes that the enemy is doing, but it's, it's physical. And the next point I would like to, to talk is that we're supposed to, to stand mm-hmm. against. That's very important. We are called to stand against, and notice what it says. The and I think your translation says the use is the term the wiles, but it's simply a word which means the deceit mm-hmm. of the devil. Correct. And it's interesting now, there's many different words he could have used the serpent, he could have used the term Satan, but he used here the word devil, and that word comes from the Greek word where we get the term diabolical. Mm-hmm. So, diabolical involves wisdom. It involves trickery. It's something that, that has a great deal of intelligence behind it. That's who we're up against. And if we walk in the flesh, if we use the natural, if we think that the weapons are, are a, a gun or, or something like that, we're going to be defeated because it's not a physical battle. It's spiritual. As he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and and powers against rulers of darkness, and and darkness is an important concept because so many of of the people that are in this world that are being manipulated by the enemy, used by the enemy, it's because they are in spiritual darkness, and another very significant term here is wickedness. When, When someone, God forbids, enjoys wickedness, this exposes them to the influence and the control of the enemy. It talks about that, that wickedness is, is one of the tools. If you look, for example, in Second Thessalonians 2, wickedness, I think it talks about the mystery of wickedness. And it uses that term, the mystery of wickedness, because we don't understand in the natural that when we do something that's a violation of the word of God, that meets the biblical definition of wickedness. So when we're behaving in that which is against the righteousness of God, his standards of morality and truth and ethics and justice, it exposes us to the enemy's influence, his control, and we we become a person, hopefully not believers, but a person, a non-believer who is in darkness, becomes manipulated by the enemy. So this this spiritual hosts of wickedness in in high places so we need to do just what it says to take up the whole armor of God
0: amen I love how the Lord makes that uh, correlation with uh, military um, basically a, an alignment to uh, military and uh, words so I, I think it's 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 an it's a wake-up call for the church for all of us to you know, it's time for battle. Uh, we are, we don't all need to stand at the same post, brothers and sisters, but let's stand on the wall that we're assigned to. I think that if you man your post and defend and entrusting God for the results, though, we need to ask for that leading of the Holy Spirit. But remember that the weapons that God gives us are sufficient. Um, I'm just gonna go on to the next slide. And um, I've
1: can we can we talk a few minutes? perhaps about the the weapons
0: of course Just for absolutely. A moment. let's go back
1: yep. go back i apologize but i think it's very important that we see some of the things that that god begins with and what he ends with sure he talks first and foremost about our waste and the waste is kind of the foundation this the central place of a body and notice what he speaks about truth first and foremost how important truth is And even the concept today of truth, certainly, now people talk about my truth, her truth, and it makes truth kind of a a changing, a molten concept that, that, that alters depending upon who you're talking with, what your situation is, and all of this is extremely dangerous. So to gird your waist with truth. And then notice truth, the next thing he talks about, the breastplate, but the key word righteousness. Righteousness, It is only when we are walking in truth can we express righteousness. And notice that the enemy, the the Antichrist, for example, is a man of lawlessness, which Mm -hmm. is simply an attack against the righteous standards of God. And then it talks about having your feet uh, uh, prepared with the gospel of peace. Mm -hmm. This is also a very important topic that our main concern is that gospel message and it brings peace, but not a worldly peace, not as a world gives peace, as Messiah says, but it brings about the fulfillment, peace, the fulfillment of God's will. So if you reject the gospel, you're not going to be a candidate for experiencing the will of God. And then it talks about the shield of faith, how important faith is. And it's only with faith that we are able to defeat the attacks of the enemy. That's why we're called to walk in faith so that we can have victory in our life. And then the helmet of salvation, helmet protects our head. It's a reference to thinking. And salvation here is there's really two concepts of salvation biblically. One is the forgiveness of sin, having that relationship with God healed. But but more than that, this salvation is also a concept for victory. And we have to think victoriously. Last night, as as we were sitting in the sukkah, uh, we were studying from the book of Numbers chapter 14, where the people, they weren't thinking about victory going into the land. In fact, the scripture says that they loathed the land. They saw the land evil. So we're not interested in the parallel here between the land and the kingdom. If we're not kingdom-minded, if we're not pursuing the kingdom, we're not thinking right, and we're not going to have the right mindset for victory. And then it talks about the sword, the spirit, the the main weapon for for battle is the spirit, the spirit of God. And it speaks here about how there's the unity between the spirit of God and the word of God. So we begin with truth and we end with that which is truth, the word of God. So we could spend literally Six, seven, eight, eight uh, hours on these different things going through them. But a quick overview of the importance of what God gives us to wage war. Obviously here, it's not a a physical war of violence and inflicting suffering and pain and harm on people. It's walking in truth to express righteousness and to testify of, of the fact that God is the Lord Almighty.
0: Amen. Wonderful. Thank you for that overview. Uh, The next slide, uh, brothers and sisters, you'll also see it in Spanish. Uh, That's also because in future, uh, God willing, it will be translated to the Spanish-speaking viewers. But very importantly, what do we need for battle, for this battle that is now upon us? We're going to go through some points here, Baruch, and, of course, I'll hand over to you for each one. Um, There's a few points here, things that we need to do. First of all, we need the word of
1: God. Over to you, Baruch. Again, just as we saw, it's foundational. And this is what, and here again, we want to encourage people. We want to see local congregations added to and grow and thrive. And and the truth of the matter is, unless that leader is committed to the word of God, it's a dangerous institution. It's not that of, of the true ecclesia, the true church of God. So make sure that you're in a local congregation do not forsake the assembly. I think this is another thing in the times that we're living in it's being attacked. We need to meet, we need to meet regularly, not just online but but personally and and the emphasis is the word of God so that we can do everything decently or properly and in order as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 40. So the word of God the foundation of everything that we are and everything we're called to do.
0: Amen. And and it's interesting you touched on that, Baruch, because some of the wonderful positive emails that we've been getting is that uh, by us exposing certain people that are very deceptive, we've had people write to us thanking us, saying thank you, because the church where I was going to was only focusing on prosperity or only focusing on listening to the false prophets. And now they're really centered on the word of God, which is so important. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Yeshua, the importance of it over to you,: bro.
1: Without the blood, there is no redemption. There is no remission of sin. We see how important blood is throughout Israel's history. When we look at the Passover, which is tied to redemption and freedom, the freedom that allows us to serve God and not being bondage to sin, the blood of, of Messiah is the, the element. That, that brings about, that begins and continues to bring about change in our life because it is the redeeming element for every individual. There's no other source of redemption other than the blood of Messiah. And when we, we don't emphasize the blood, and there's a very popular uh, preacher from, from California, and he casts aside and, I, and, and And I believe that this concept is very dangerous because he equates the blood as just an, a, a, another word for death. So he talks about the death, but he never speaks about the blood. He unites these two things as one and just focuses on Messiah died and he rose. That's true. That's important. But the blood is foundational for understanding what Messiah has given to us, this redemption, which is such a, a significant term. Amen.
0: The mighty name of Jesus, that powerful name of Yeshua. Your comments,
1: bro. Yeah, Whether we, we say, and I get this question all the time, do I have to say Yeshua? Absolutely not. You speak English, Jesus is fine. You speak Spanish, Jesus, some other language, uh, Iesus, whatever that name is in your language is fa- fine. But there's power in the name of Yeshua. When we mention that there's no other name given to, to humanity by which we must be saved. There's no other way, no other name, no other one. But also when we have the name, it's just not the name Yeshua, that is significant, it's that. But in, additional, in addition to that, the term name, name of Yeshua, also speaks about the character of Messiah. And that's what we want to, to, to exemplify, to demonstrate. His character in our life, that's what we're, we're striving to, to express and, and this is also something that, that sometimes people forget, that faith brings about a character change in our life.
0: Amen. Sadly, sometimes the Holy Spirit is neglected or offended or grieved, but so important, that power
1: of the Holy Spirit. Here again, the, the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit is found in the anointing, and this word for anointing, it's a, it's a gift, and it just doesn't happen uh, uh, haphazardly or by chance. It happens when people submit what we talked about earlier, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. And it really begins, and I, and I shared this not too long ago in a, a message that I think will, will be released soon, and that is, it's only when I make a commitment, God, I want to obey you. And with that desire to obey God will come revelation. And with that revelation, if we want to submit to it, we're going to find the anointing also follows. So it goes hand in hand, the revelation of truth, God being our teacher, God leading us through the Holy Spirit and through the power and the provision of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit, there's not going to be order in our life. There's not going to be provision. There's not going to be insight. In fact, without the Holy Spirit, we are are helpless to do what God has called us to do.
0: Amen. We also need to be in these last days when we're ready for battle, be fully dependent on God. Your comments, Baruch.
1: Well, right now, as we're recording this, we are in the midst of the Chaka Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And the primary message of this Feast of Tabernacles is to to depend upon God, to trust Him, to rely upon Him. And so this is a message that we emphasize during these seven days of, of Sukkot, but it's foundational for every day of our life. So are we living in dependence upon God? Are we demonstrating dependence upon God and one of the things that's a an outcome of this is whatever God calls us to do, we are not going to be in the natural by ourselves, apart from God, apart from his anointing. We're not going to be prepared to do what he calls. It's only when we recognize our dependence upon God and seek his provision, seek that anointing, wanting to to express his character, then God is going to supply So recognizing our dependence upon God is is at the heart of walking in faith.
0: Amen. The importance of prayer and fasting as well, Brooke.
1: They go together. There's, There's no fasting without prayer. And fasting, there's so many benefits of fasting. Fasting gives us revelation. When we fast, we're seeking revelation. We're seeking power. we're we're seeking change in our life. And also fasting is a a testimony that just that we want to weaken the flesh because we know that the solution is not us, but rather it's the Spirit of God. So fasting is an invitation to the Spirit of God to work in our life. And there's no true biblical fast without prayer. Fasting prepares us, changes us, so that we can pray effectively. And, and the last thing about that, that point is, prayer is just not making your supplications, your requests, your thanksgiving known to God, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But the Hebrew word for prayer is lehit palel, and that is in what's known as the reflexive stem in, in Hebrew. And that reflexive stem means back and forth. So if, if my prayer life is just me speaking to God, making known all these things and I say amen and I get up and leave that that's half prayer we're missing the most important thing because whatever I'm going to pray God knows my needs before I ask them he's very much uh, equated with them but the message is of prayer is yes we make these requests but also we wait to listen and fasting assists us in that part of prayer where we're listening for God's counsel to us, for God to lead us, direct us, guide us, to give us insight. So, prayer is seeking God's response in our life, that He puts that into our heart, that He communicates with us. And how we know that is God's communication is that it's always can be verified with Scripture. God's never going to say something that is not in, in line with the revelation of His written word. Correct. Amen.
0: And the final point that we have is, please don't be silent. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. But over to you, Brooke.
1: Yeah, uh, this goes back to what we talked about earlier, and that is to, to a large degree, the, the church has been uh, absent, mm-hmm. it's been silent, it's been idle, it has not been doing. I mean, just to think, just as some have closed their doors for months, mm-hmm. Why? Because of a disease. Don't we believe that God is greater than that disease? And and don't be silent. I think one of the reasons why people are silent is because they're fearful and they're holding on to life at all costs. Mm -hmm. Now, I had a discussion. We'll go back to to the vaccines. I can tell you that, that whether you get it or not, It ought not be for for fear and for preserving one's health. Let's not make health our, our objective. Let's make truth and faithfulness. Health comes, as we see in the scripture, as we prosper spiritually, we will also frequently prosper in the physical. Now that doesn't mean that people might not be disabled, that they may not have disease, but you know the, the great physician is, is God. so let's not put our faith in a vaccine. let's put our faith in, in God. Can God use medicine? Obviously he can. But, but let's not be silent, let's be out there, let's be encouraging one another. And uh, I, I've shared before that um, um, people who are out. And about, I don't see them getting this, this coronavirus any more than someone who just locks down in their home and, and takes all these precautions. Uh, the Bible says time and chance happens to, to all. So let's not be fearful. Let's be wise, listening to the Spirit's leadership, go where God wants us to go, and, and leave the outcome to Him. I mean, if, if I die today, so what? First of all, God can raise up a million people, can do what what we do better than what we do. So God's not dependent upon any individual. He's dependent upon himself. Secondly, secondly, to die, as Paul says, you know, given the choice, he says, personally, I choose death because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Is there anything better than that? Amen. So let's not fear death. Let's not cling on to life. Let's not have that, that mentality that some Christians have as, as preppers, just wanting to hold on, hide out, just endure and endure for what? We're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be contending. We're supposed to be battling. We're supposed to be visible in our faith. And if that means we lose our life, praise God for that, because we have eternal life. Just because I'm released from this body, there's nothing that bad that comes from being released from this body and being present with the Lord. So let's have the right emphasis and not walk and live in fear.
0: Amen. Well said, brother. So brothers and sisters, this is how we navigate through these waters. This is how we prepare for battle. So uh, I hope this has been encouraging to you. Apart from the obvious attacks that the enemy has put in place, whether it be through false teachers, what's happening around the world and governments and mandates and vaccines, I think one of the biggest attacks that I'm seeing uh, against believers is discouragement. We're going to go through some um, scriptures, Baruch, which are wonderful promises of God that we need to hold on to. But what's your initial comment, Baruch, about how we fight
1: discouragement? How we fight discouragement, do the will of God. I've never met anyone who is walking in obedience that is discouraged because when we walk in obedience, we see the faithfulness of God. And for me, and I'm sure I can speak for Christian as well, there's nothing more encouraging than seeing God at work. I mean, not only does it encourage us, but it's a it's a cause for joy, for thanksgiving. So let's not be discouraged. Let's be obedient, and you'll find that you have great encouragement, that you'll have a zeal for life, and and that's what we're supposed to have, a zeal for for life with God, demonstrating his truth, because very soon, whether that's uh, 70 years for someone or whether it's seven or whether it's seven days, this age, this life For me, it's going to come to an end. Hmm. So let's have a zeal for God as we live whatever time that we have that remains. And that's going to be a source of encouragement because there's nothing more exciting, nothing that we should be more passionate about than walking in obedience with God.
0: Amen. Let's look at some of the wonderful promises of the Lord, some of these scriptures now. Uh, We will start with Matthew 16, 18. And also, I pray to you that you are that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. From my personal view, of course, this isn't talking about the Catholic Church at all; it's talking about the believers, uh, the church, the body of Christ, and very clear that that not even the gates of Hades will prevail against us. Over to you, Bro, for your comments.
1: The rock here is is the truth of Messiah's identity. You know the context. Is, you know, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And when Peter says, you, you are the Messiah, the, the son of the living God, that's that rock. That's the foundation. And when it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, what that tells us is this. Victory is coming. Victory, the one who's going to be victorious, the one who prevails, is not uh, from hell, but, but its people that are with Messiah in a new covenant relationship with him. So we need to remember the victory. And as we focus on that kingdom victory, it's going to produce faithfulness. Thinking right, being kingdom minded will produce obedience and a right, right lifestyle. And that will also give us a right mindset. So let's walk in the victory that God has promised us and not allow what's happening in the short term, whatever setbacks, whatever the enemy's doing. And we know that that he's going to make a great push in the last days, but although for a moment it might seem as he's gonna be victorious, as many believers are gonna be overcome, we know that the victory is with us. And let me just point out that uh, uh, I don't look at too many of the comments as well, on on uh uh, the various things people write we just don't have time to do that but it was brought to my attention that that people think that that i and i think you as well christian don't believe in the rapture what is a false statement (laughs) obviously we believe in the rapture but but the problem is this that people hear anything about the church suffering and they fall to pieces They, they that's not on their mindset no no we're going to be removed before there's any hard times well let's wake up there's many believers today that are suffering hard times persecution where where the enemy those those forces of darkness has a hole on on many countries and we could go through a long list of countries where being a believer is a a death sentence just think of recently afghanistan's been in the news if you are a born again believer and you are vocal about your faith. you will be put to death in Afghanistan, oftentimes being tortured brutally as a, a dis, as a deterrent for others. So don't think that we're not going to suffer the promises that we're not going to suffer the wrath of God. Amen. and this whole concept, and I did a video about this not too long ago, this tribulation period. Let's look at what the Bible says about Daniel's 70th week, those last seven years. And is it appropriate to say it's a tribulation period? I know people use that term theologians and such, but is it accurate? Can we have a biblical basis for that? So let's not just accept everything that we hear, but, but be diligent in studying what the word of God says. As you know, we've done some, some videos on the rapture. One was dedicated to 28 questions that one needs to answer so they have the right understanding for the rapture. So we need to, to be people that that study and know truth so that we can embark in this world faithfully.
0: Amen. Well said. And to reiterate that once again, brothers and sisters, Baruch and I share that same view. We certainly believe in the blessed hope, the rapture. We are just pre-wrath. So uh, the Bible tells us very clear that we will escape God's wrath. Thanks for that, Baruch. Um, the other scripture we want to look at as well is in Proverbs 1426. In the fear of the Lord there is strong in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. What a wonderful promise this is. But over to you, Baruch.
1: At the end, we'll have. Hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean right now that we're going to always have that refuge. We are called, just like Messiah, was sent into this world, God's only begotten Son, whom he loved perfectly who obeyed him perfectly, but rather he suffered. So we may suffer, but we have a future place of refuge, the kingdom of God. But but here's the the main takeaway in the fear of the Lord. That word for fear has to do with making God the priority Mm. above all other things. So it's only when God is my priority, his will, doing what he commands, experiencing him, pleasing him, glorifying him, That's the fear of the Lord. There is strong confidence. That means we have assurance on things. We don't live doubtfully. We we don't live with a a human concept of hope. I hope this happens. I hope this happens. In the Bible, the term hope has nothing uncertain about it. It's hope. Biblical hope is based upon the promises of God. So fear the Lord. Is, is one who walks in obedience to the promises of God. That's what we are unique about the patriarchs, that they they believe God's promises and they pursue them. That's what faith is when we are pursuing the word of God, what he says. And in the end, we have that refuge within. So many of the Beatitudes, when we look at what Messiah says in Matthew chapter 5, they're all in the future. No, those who who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will. Correct. All those things they will, and it all points out that that kingdom hope, that kingdom confidence that we have, where God will fulfill all of His promises in the fullest sense.
0: Amen. Wonderful. The next scripture we'll look at Psalm one hundred eighteen eight. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Very self explanatory. But over to you, Baruch. If you have any further comments.
1: A, a, a simple but profound. Uh, verse. It's better. And the word better here (coughs) is is related to good. Mm -hmm. So whenever that word appears, we should think about the will of God. So people sometimes says, what what does it mean to trust in the Lord? It means to be committed to the will of God. And we're going to find something. We're either going to believe the word of God, or we're going to trust in the, the words of man. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. His diabolical plan always involves human beings. Hmm. Human beings that are self-motivated, who are pursuing the things of this world. One of the things that, that really, and it's a scripture that, of course, we've read it many, many times. But sometimes you read something and it just, just speaks to you in a, in, in a more profound way. And the scripture I'm talking about is where it says... To be a friend of the world causes you to be an enemy of God. Hmm. And you notice today, the whole world. In fact, there's a recent article that a good friend of mine sent to me about, about America and China relations. And what we find here is America is lessening their, their commitment to human rights in regard to China in order for China to get on board with climate change. Mm-hmm. And, and this is loving this world, loving the creation rather than loving the creator. So isn't it interesting? We're putting the the world ahead of, of man. Biblically, when we look at Genesis, the world was made for the creation of man, but but we're turning it upside down and, and loving the world and compromising with the uh, world. Uh, care, concern, love, justice for for a fellow human being. So we see more and more nations turning away from what, what we ought to be doing and embracing the deceit of the enemy.
0: Amen. The next scripture we'll look at is in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. A very well-known scripture. But I want to highlight there in red, for God has not, Given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound
1: mind. Your comments, Baruch. Don't give priority to the things of this world. Mm-hmm. Don't let yourself be influenced by the propaganda that we hear so much on the news. First of all, there are no more journalists. I don't know of any. All, all the people that give the news and write things, they're all coming from a, a, a political lens. Yes. They all are, are stating what, what their political affiliation is, is wanting them to say. So we don't find truth. We don't find anything being revealed today by the media, but we find it being a propaganda of the enemy. So God has said to us, no, we don't have this spirit of fear. A spirit of fear is demonic. It's not from God. But we are given power for what purpose? And it's power and love, love of righteousness, love of truth, love of other human beings. And when we demonstrate that, we're going to have that outcome And this sound mind. Sometimes it's a word for, for being sober-minded, but it's, it's a word that speaks of thinking thoroughly In light of the truth of God. And this is what's lacking today. Mm -hmm. Many decisions are being made with no concept. Now, we're called, this is from 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're called to pray for for kings and those who are in authority, something good to do. Mm -hmm. What should we pray for them? That they find themselves being committed to the righteousness of God, that they have a different perspective than what the majority of the world leaders are, are pursuing. So a very important scripture that teaches us to be discernibly different from the world. Amen.
0: The uh, couple of more scriptures to look at. One is this one, of course, Joshua one nine so well known around the world, but we need to revisit it again where the Lord says, have I not commanded you? So it's not a request, it's a commandment here. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. A lot of it says wherever. It doesn't say sometimes he'll go here or there with you. It's wherever you go. Your comments, bro.
1: Yeah, that, that means without a mask, without a vaccine, God is never Correct. going to leave us nor forsake us. Amen. And one of the ways that we demonstrate courage one of the ways that we're strong one of the ways that, that we can be assured that that god and, and ourselves are together is when we don't turn and the scripture goes on in verse 10 don't turn to the right or to the left but but go that straight way in the will of God and, and this is where we find strength and courage when we move out of God's will when we're not thinking according to God's truth That's where fear and discouragement comes. So fear and discouragement has a place. It tells me I'm not thinking right. I'm not behaving right. I'm not where God wants me to be. I have removed myself from the the framework that he has for my life. So if you're fearful of what's going on today, if you're discouraged by what's going on today, uh, you need to really consider do I need to repent? And I assure you that you do. You know, when we look at what's going on today, we should be excited. Why? We see the foundations of the enemy beginning to move. And this means that things are, are coming to an end. We may be living in a very key time, that, that generation that's going to see massive change. It'll begin with a dark change, but we know that light is coming, the light of the world Messiah. And this is an opportunity for us to demonstrate faithfulness, to demonstrate our love for God, not love for this world, but love for God to be different. So it's just like this. I'll use a, a silly illustration from sports. But uh, when I was uh, in junior high and a couple years in high school, I attempted to play basketball and I was on the basketball team, but I sat on the bench and there was a few of my friends and we would sit together. And we were always so excited when the coach would look down and would call on one of us to go into the game. We wanted to be in the game and and we wanted to hopefully perform in a way that was pleasing to the coach. Well, let's get into the game. I think the game is beginning to, to, to happen. We want to be in that game. We want to demonstrate faithfulness. We want to have that that opportunity to demonstrate love for God what he has done for us to utilize that in a way that glorifies him. So let's be excited about what's going on in the world for the right reasons.
0: Amen. And the last scripture we'll look at is such a powerful scripture in Isaiah. 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wonderful promise. Baruch, over to you.
1: Yeah, we can be assured that we are not dependent upon the material, the physical. God, he tells us, this word, dismayed, it's a word of confusion. Let's not be confused. And when we're walking in truth, when we're, we're basing things upon the word of God, we're not going to have confusion. What does God give us? A sound mind. That's one of the things he promises. And it's just not my right hand upholds you, but Righteous. Here again, the Antichrist is a man of lawlessness. He's against righteousness. This should be our objective, to behave righteously. This is why we've been saved. We're not saved by our righteous behavior, but we have been saved by grace through the sufficiency of Messiah's work on the cross so that we can demonstrate righteousness in in every situation, everywhere we go. So my my last thing that I'll say in regard to that verse is this. Are you demonstrating righteousness? Whatever situation that you're put in, this is your opportunity to show righteousness. This manifests your love, your commitment to God. It shows that you're a disciple. It gives you that testimony that that impacts others that 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 Causes you to be discernibly different than the rest of the world, which may cause someone to ask and say, I want what you have. I want that same assurance. I want that same purpose in my life. And therefore, it's his righteous right hand. Let's embrace his righteous right hand by by doing righteousness. This is what a believer is saved to do. Amen. So.
0: Brothers and sisters, uh, wonderful discussion. It certainly raises further discussions, I think, from this. and uh, But like the theme says, it's time for battle. Uh, please, let's not be silent. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. The Lord has given us perfect weapons, uh, and he will never leave us or forsake us. So I really encourage you with that. Baruch, over to you for your final comments.
1: Well, I want to apologize. I'm sure that people can hear that there's some... Uh uh, work being done in the apartment uh, next to us or above us. Uh, it's not supposed to be done. When you asked what time do you want to do it? I said early, it's eight o'clock when we began in Israel because during Sukkot, no uh, shiputzim, no repair work is supposed to be done during this whole week in our building to honor Sukkot. But if someone does, it's not supposed to begin until after 10 o'clock in the morning. So we have a violator that, uh, uh, But this just shows that the enemy is always at work trying to bring distraction and such to, to what God wants to share.
0: Correct. But the message still goes forward. So uh, please hit this like button once again, brothers and sisters. If you've enjoyed this video, please share it as well. And so from Baruch in Israel and from myself here in Sydney, Australia, we thank you for joining us. But do remember, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption Drosny. Shalom.